Welcome to our podcast, The Words That Make Us. Consider this time with us as your excuse to take a break from everything. Every episode, we choose a word that makes us think, wonder, or dream. We read a range of texts that explore different aspects of this word. And we let our thoughts wander. We hope that yours will too. So grab your favorite tea. Or a beer. And join me, Ramashar. And me, Tony Bailey. Let's go! (laughs) So, today's episode is about failure. I know what it takes to fool this town. I'll do it till the sun goes down. And all through the night time, I'll tell you what you want to hear. Leave my sunglasses on while I shed a tear. It's never the right time. I put my armor on, show you how strong I am. I'm unstoppable. I'm a Porsche with no brakes. I'm invincible. Yeah, I win every single game. I'm so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. Hang on a minute. You can't read that. You were supposed to sing it. Um, no, 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 no. I'm a failed singer. I'm sorry. Fail. There is no room for failure on this podcast. Otherwise, we won't be unstoppable. <laughs> well, well, we shall see about that. Um, so, thinking about failure... What is your definition of failure? I'm always thinking about failure. No. Um, my definition of failure, I, I really hate the word. I was a little bit um, little bit worried when we decided to do failure because I thought this could really open up a mm. can of worms. Mm-hmm. But I really don't like the word. Uh, failure, uh, for me, depends on the context that we're using it. Um, but I, I know dictionary definition is kind of like... Um, it's a strange word because it's not something, it's a lack of something. Yeah. So for me, or yeah, failure means the lack of the outcome that you wanted, the lack of a success or the lack of a result. Or if you're talking about not human beings, you could be talking about failure just being, um, you know, um, the lack of, of the intended result. result. Yeah, like an engine failed yeah. to, to start yeah. or something. So due to signal failure at uh, Clapham Junction. mm -hmm. The thing is, though, I don't know what you think about it, but um, when I use the word failure to talk about signal failure, Mm. oh, there's a network failure, so there's uh, no internet at the moment. Mm. It doesn't cause any emotional sort of response. But the minute I think about failure as a personal thing, like Mm. you saying to me, well, that last podcast was a complete failure because of what you said, for example. Yeah. Um, then that, the word really hurts. Yeah, it's interesting how with machines, it's a very, very um, scientific word almost. You know, it's just a matter of fact, you know, something failed. It did not work. That's fine. We move on. We find a way around it. We fix it. But if it's something that has to do with a human, I mean, I would never have, I would never say that to anybody. I wouldn't say that to a student, to a child of mine. It's kind of like the worst. Could you imagine that? 
And I, I do say sometimes to my students, uh, as hopefully as a way of encouraging them, yeah. if you don't sort this out, you are going to fail. Yeah. Like that's the ultimate. Mm. But then to say to a child, or in fact to anybody, you're a complete failure. Yeah, I is, think... Is, Gosh, how how, it's, it's, how more worthless could you make somebody feel by Exactly, I think worthless is the word. It's like it really breaks you and it breaks your sense of self. And I think when you say to someone you're going to fail a subject, I think you're kind of not making it so personal. It's kind of like you're failing in an exam. It's not as bad as saying to someone, you have failed me. If I say to someone or somebody, yeah. oh my God, if somebody says to me, you have failed me. If a, a student comes to me at the end of the year or something and says, Ms. Char, by the way, you have failed us. I think I would be devastated. Oh, yeah, that's horrible, isn't it? It's actually a little bit similar to the way that, that there's two sorts of failure I see in my students as well. Mm. Sort of major failure and little failure. No, mm. not um, no. some of them pass, honestly. Um, there's failure where I, I don't see it as a problem. There's students who work really hard and they really try hard and they're... Yeah. They're really searching for understanding, but they still haven't quite got it yet. Especially when you're teaching a subject like maths. Yes. There's some big concepts. Yeah. So people do fail to get things right. And I really have sympathy for them. And, I, you know, I'm really trying to encourage them because they're, at least they're trying hard. Yeah. And then I have failure where, frankly, it's what the student deserves because yeah. the failure isn't to do with the lack of trying or the lack of understanding it's because they can't be bothered or yeah. because they haven't followed the instructions you've given yeah so, they haven't listened yeah. yeah i think this is something where it's like if you don't try at all then you're you're not going to fail by definition if you don't try you don't fail you know but i think you have to put yourself out there sometime and say I'm going to be out there, bear myself and receive all the, the slings and arrows. And if I yeah. succeed, I succeed. Well, that, and if that I fail, sort of at least I've tried. That philosophy of if you, if you don't try at all, then you'll never fail mm. is all well and good. Mm. But unfortunately in life, we are constantly up against challenges where we are going to be deemed to have succeeded or, or, or failed. Yeah. So I'm not sure how you could live out that philosophy of I'm just never going to I'm never going to try and then I haven't failed. I suppose because then you will fail because failure isn't measured just by your own standards it's measured by yeah. the the world around you. It, it, that's a good point. I think sometimes what I'm trying to say is that sometimes you just stay in your comfort zone. You don't no. try. You just content yourself with with the lowest of the low of everything you lead a very very mm, what's the word i don't want to say average because there's nothing wrong with average but something that it does not meet your potential at all and you just it say sounds okay like, sounds like a, almost like a definition of depression to me kind of actually yeah it's kind of like you know like, like i'm icky girl what, what are we going back to that podcast <laughs> does sound a little bit like that maybe if you have no icky guy that is true yes if you're feeling that you know i don't want to get up and try i'm happy to just do whatever it is that is easy it doesn't take much effort and also i think the worst thing is that when we don't try because we are worried what would happen to us if we failed or what would happen if we su succeeded sometimes uh -huh. we really worry that if i succeed who am i then i have to change my whole life and i have to start yeah. working harder and so that any parts of your life where a fear of 
failure actually inhibits what you you do? Hmm. I think it used to be my thing in relationships, actually, um, where I was like, you know, go for somebody that is quote unquote below me, you know, somebody who's like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! And you're like, uh, did you have used to have like a notebook? If I lower at school, my standards, where, where you like listed the top ten boys, huh. and like, what, come on, you can be honest with me, like one to ten. Huh. But then, because of your fear of failure, you you only went with somebody who was like five or six, no. rather than number one. No, it was just that I think I see people do that, and I might have thought it at some point, but actually, the opposite is true. I think my standards are way, way too hard, and that sometimes can lead to failure as well. It's like if you have very unrealistic expectations or if you have no expectations at all you're going to fail either way uh, how about you sorry this discussion just brought back some memories of my <laughs> university life i remember a girl there i can't say her name just in case Mm-mm. she's listening but i remember I, I thought she was quite nice she was south african not that that's hopefully nothing to do with it but anyway she was south african and blonde yeah and uh, i thought she was quite nice um i didn't think i was in the running or anything but i remember her saying to me uh once oh tony um you're a really nice guy um you're currently my number three. Oh my god like this wasn't like two seven-year-olds like in the yeah. playground but this was like a 20 year old woman saying to me that i was currently her number three i was like how do you is that a success or failure? Oh, my God. <laughs> At least I made it into the top three. You did. You, that's a bronze medal right there. Yeah, but bronze, will, bronze medal isn't... That's failure in many people's books. Um, is that... In, that's a failure, isn't it? Actually, that's funny that... I mean, there's a, a bit of a tangent here, but I can't not bring it up. Um, I once read a, um, a study. They said that the bronze... The, the one who earned the bronze is actually a lot happier than the one who earned the silver. Yeah. Do you know why? Well, you probably further, you, you got something, but you weren't that close that it mattered. Something like that? Something like this. It's like the one who got the silver um, is always comparing himself or their, herself to the one who won. And they're yeah. like, I was so close to winning, so they're not happy. Yeah. And the one who got the bronze is like, I made it into the top three. And yeah, actually, yeah. That, that is definitely fantastic. Yeah. So, come on. I would say that's a win. A win. Yeah. But it's it insane like how some people have, like, no... Self-awareness that they can say something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for me, I, I honestly, I had no fear of failure at all until the perfect storm happened in my life where mm. there was a lot of things that took me by surprise at the same time that all appeared to fail at the same mm. time. Oh, yeah. So the cumulative effect of a lot of failures has really made me hypersensitive to failure yeah because they, you know what they say when it rains it pours doesn't yeah it? no that's such a good phrase and it, it, it really really sums it up um so it's like for the first time in my life i feel like there's a whole roster of things now that i will not do simply because the consequences of my previous failure are too hard to contemplate having to deal with again yeah but that that makes me sad in a way because you're a very capable very um, accomplished person and you should not be scared of trying. I mean, you should always put yourself out there. This actually reminds me of something that Brene Brown once said. Do you know Brene Brown? I do know Brene Brown, yeah. I've yeah. read... Well, not personally, we've never <laughs> met, but I have 
Seen Maybe in, you were in her like in list, red. number three on her list or something. There's a couple of really good uh, TED Talks uh, yes. from Bernie Brown. Yeah. yeah. So she says in one of her books, I think it's, I can't remember the name of the book. But anyway, she says, I want to be in the arena. I want to be brave with my life. And when we make the choice to dare greatly, we sign up to get our asses kicked. We can choose courage or we can choose comfort, but we can have both. Not at the same time. I really like that because I always, I would always, as you established earlier, um, I worry too much what people think of me. Um, but recently I've been able to, so I submitted a story to a contest the other mm -hmm. day. and Did you fail? I failed. <laughs> I did fail. But I was so proud of the story that I actually posted it on my Facebook um, page before I knew whether it was going to win or fail, you know, bearing myself there and putting myself out to people knowing that I did not win, you know? Yeah. And I was really proud of myself because I was like, if I don't, because Brene Brown is, is mostly interested in vulnerability in how we have to be vulnerable. Otherwise, if we keep protecting ourselves, we will never dare greatly, like she said. Mm -hmm. And so we are bound, that is one definition of failure. And so I was like, That's yeah, I'm really proud of this. I'm going to post it. Not everybody can win. Even the greatest stories would not always win. And so I was like, yep, I'm putting it out there. And Well, here's a point linked to that then that I think I find helpful. That I think when you define or think about failure, you can think about failure in your own eyes and in the eyes of others. Mm -hmm. So if I was entering a... Uh, a songwriting competition mm -hmm. and I didn't win, A, I wouldn't be surprised. And B, um, I wouldn't be so worried because it's based on what other people think about my songs. And they would be judging my songs against the songs of lots of other people, really talented people. Um, so it's not really about me, is it? the success or failure of what I've done is yeah. based on their perception of it and how they value it compared to other things. So I shouldn't be taking the burden of their judgment on my shoulders because it, it's not about me, right? I love that. Whereas if I write a song and it sucks, <laughs> then I'm really going to hurt personally until I've fixed it mm. because that's about my judgment. Mm. So there's nothing worse mm. than spending hours on something playing it back and it's like oh this just wasn't what what I had what in it, mind what I had in mind which is really what the definition of failure is isn't it the absence of the result that I that was intended yeah not meeting the standard that you wanted so I failed I failed I was not able to do what I set out to do and because that's my judgment of myself then that failure is a real, feels like a real one yeah it's a tricky one because they say that you're always your worst enemy or your worst critic you know because it could be that somebody will look at it and enjoy it but because you have the highest standards or because it didn't match exactly what you had in mind and then you're deeming it as a failure and it's mm. that's so sometimes getting perspective is also very important with failure right it's all well, it's a interesting isn't it because in that perspective where no it's terrible i hate it and somebody else listens to it said well no it's really good yeah an external perspective helps yeah. to pull it the other way um but i think Again, different personalities, really. Some people spend a lot of time mulling over there or in their head telling themselves how great they are. Mm -hmm. And 
about, you know, recalling all their successes, yeah. telling the world how good they are. Mm-hmm. Narcissists uh, come to mind. Yeah. Um, some people dwell so long on their failures and mistakes and that's all they ever seem to 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 have there left to talk about. I know that um, as a, a person who's on failed marriage number two... So two, two divorces, you know, you can become so engrossed in your own failure. Yeah. All the time, all you're doing is analysing the reasons for it and what you could have done, done differently. <laughs> and I think that sort of failure is really difficult. Human failure, mm. relationship failure, um, family breakdowns, family failures are so difficult because unlike mechanical failure that can be fixed mm. yeah. or improved. Often, once that failure in a, in a human situation has happened, it, it is irrepa- irre- irreplaceable or irreparable. I think it's a very tricky one because like, sometimes we deem something a failure when it's actually not really a failure. I mean, you got some lovely kids out of that marriage, those, those marriages. Yeah, you haven't met my kids. Oh, well, sorry, if you're you love sorry. Them. Yeah, I love them, really. <laughs> And um, you had some great moments, you know, in there. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, just because it didn't last, it doesn't mean that it wasn't legitimate or it wasn't a good thing, you know. It's just no, like... I, I think that's true. You know, um, out of every situation, whether it is a success or a failure, along the way, there are lots of experiences that you have yeah. that, are, that are positive and negative. But I think the thing that you dwell on is it like the definitions we're talking about, yeah. it did not end up as it was supposed to. And I think, that, and that is the that is the failure, and you can't change it. Sometimes I think so, we, we wallow too much. You know, we we blame ourselves you say I'm too wallowing. much. I think you wallow sometimes. Oh, okay. I think you blame yourself too much because um, sometimes it's just the combination does not work. You know, there is such a thing called chemistry, or there is something called destiny, and you know, there is something called circumstances from the outside, or a relationship that ran its course. You know, so, I guess I guess the question um, that. I don't ask myself enough is does it matter yeah does, does, does it in the end in the end why am I wallowing as you say yeah if, if something fails why is that a problem it's not exactly it could be like you know when they say a, a door when a door closes another door opens or something like that well, in my case the... when one door closes the next one closes as well you've closed it yeah, forever yeah forever we yeah, can't put the, do that put the uh, the bolt on it but it's interesting isn't it that we do you think this is a cultural thing is this part of my stilted middle class english grammar school all boys school education that's taught me that there is something slightly shameful in failure or in um, um, something that I, I, you know, I should be wallowing? I don't think it's come, something that comes from the, the culture because in our culture, in Western culture, I don't think it's a big problem to be in many relationships. We, we have many people and we call them now, what do we call them? Serial monogamists. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is a thing at the moment, more now than ever. I think in our society it's not that big a deal you can just go in and out of relationships and as long as you're faithful and you haven't cheated on anyone i think people but, don't usually shame you but i think but what about Asian the concept of, what about the concept the wider concept of failure though you know um i'm bankrupt or you you become bankrupted or you um you you you've 
fail to keep your job, those kind of failures, do you think that, um, I mean, all of those have got stigma, maybe not as much as they, as they used to, but certainly um, I mean, in definitely. my early childhood, all of those, you know, you got divorced, I think we touched on it before, mm. but, you know, the, the stigma associated with that kind of failure yeah. was really high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was even higher in my um, culture where I come from. Like in Syria, if somebody was divorced, they should stay away from them. They will mm-hmm. um, affect your name and good standing in society. Uh, the children of a divorced person would, mm. um, their marriage chances would dwindle. And, you know, so it's like, but I think even in Syria and even in, in the Middle East, it's not the same anymore. And people understand that you are better off alone than in a miserable relationship. And they people now people understand that it's only one life you've got and you can't waste mm. it being unhappy just because you're worried about the stigma that might come with failing. So, Do you think um, your parents have a lot to do with shaping your attitudes towards failure? Absolutely. Because I think about, you know, me wallowing. I can't help but feel that I've been influenced by the fact that you know my my parents were together forever mm-hmm. you know 50 plus years wow. and um and their big mantra was always you know we've been through thick and thin together you know and um and so getting divorced was i felt a little bit of shame yeah um did your I, parents make you feel that way they did without realizing it. Okay. They just just by being in the room. I just you know, I, I really felt like I'd failed. I'd failed them. Oh dear. Um by not being able to 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 keep my marriage together when, you know, clearly during their I remember in my childhood they had plenty of moments where they things, fought. things were rocky and yeah. whatever, but they managed to see their way through it. So do you think um yeah. How, I guess do they, the parents shape how you, how resilient you are towards failure? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that parents who teach their children to have a thicker skin and say, you know what, you failed, that's fine. Um, I still love you. You know, I think that's something that we sometimes do to our mm-hmm. children is like when they fail, we make them feel so bad that they stop you, trying. You're grounded. <laughs> Not just grounded, and, uh, but also kind of like, oh, look at your brother, look at your sister. You know, yeah, they yeah, manage to do oh, things right. Yeah. And why are you this, like, why are you like that? And even sometimes, like you said, they don't have to even say it. They just have to look at you a certain way and you feel yeah. that way. Yeah. I think that we should encourage children to make mistakes and to say, but also... To help them distinguish between mistakes that are detrimental and mistakes that are very good. So, for example, if I, when my children were little, and I would see, I would say to them once, you know, don't touch that. That's a little hot. It's going to mm-hmm. hurt. If I know it's not, they're not going to. Let me jump. tell you. Let me tell you a story, true story about my mother. Just to, yeah, don't touch that. It's hot. I went into uh, my uh, parents' lounge when I was about four, yeah. and we had a gas fire. which was burning and I said to my mom what happens if you put your finger in there and she said well stick your finger in and find out and I did (laughs) that's how I learned (laughs) well I wasn't like that but I if they refuse to listen to me then I'm like okay then then you would like to see it for yourself I guess that's the only way to learn so I think if we are wise we should listen to people's advice and 
try to learn from their mistakes and not fail. But sometimes we just want to learn and see it for ourselves. We should do that anyway. I, I saw a thing with parenting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think parents are hugely influential. Um, all the studies yeah. of, of trauma, yeah. whatever, talk about yeah. um, parental influence and inherited stress and anxiety and trauma but i do think um parenting has become incredibly difficult um again because of the polarization thing that we've talked about as well in the past that you've got two different extremes of parenting which i think both are equally as harmful so you've got the helicopter parent who is trying to protect their child from exposure to absolutely anything yeah so nothing is failure yeah so it's okay it's all right don't worry let's well, let's have a race and we'll all win we all get medals you know, we're all going to get medals because that's great and there's no losers in this yeah, household that yeah. kind of school of thought yeah, yeah. you're a winner yeah. even though that was terrible you know that, that that's great <laughs> then you've got the other end of the uh, yeah. where where just um there's no interest at all in in the person's um in the child and their failing you know there are always students where the parents are just absent so the the child is left um, to their own devices literally having to suffer the experience of failure on their own without parental support either to help prop them up or to encourage them or to put the disciplines in place that they need in order to be successful and that's equally detrimental and what's needed is somewhere something in the middle because i do think children do have to learn that failure is part of normal life. Yeah. So that idea of there are no winners, everybody gets a medal, I, I have a problem with that because I think it's good that children do learn that that's how life is, that somebody's going to get the job that you wanted. Somebody's going to get the partner that you wanted. You yeah. might just be number three on their <laughs> list and get the bronze medal. Um, so so sometimes the hard the hard home truths of it are sort of like really important and then in other times that's when we need the you know the arm around our shoulders sort of supporting us through yeah i mean through failure to be honest with you i feel like no matter what you do as a parent no matter what you do how balanced unbalanced bad neglectful negligent um you are um your children are going to end up in the um psychiatrist says long you know <laughs> the, the chair and they'll be like my parents messed me up somehow. They loved me too much. They loved me too little. They disciplined me too much. They left me to my own devices. And it's like, either way, we're going to blame it on our parents. So I think we shouldn't now we could have a field beat day ourselves now. up. We could have a field day now, couldn't we? Because, yeah, I, I've done so much reading about trauma. Hmm. Um, and so much of the current literature, literature I can't even say that now. Literature is blaming, not blaming, but is attributing your trauma to your parents and your early years and the influence that your parents have on you during those years and the inherited trauma from your your parents. So your attitude to failure is because of the way that your parents... And I do feel a little bit like you just intimated there that Parents are getting a bit of a hard rap for yep. this. Yep. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You do your best, right? Um, and who else is going to be the cause? I think who we've else? got to just keep the kids safe and fed and taken care of, loved 
and just acknowledge that there are so many other influences on our children, you know, their friends and their, you know, I once read in a study, they said that the friends are a much bigger influence on the children than the parents, 100%, because, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. peer pressure is much more important than any other parental, whatever it is. And so... That's, so that's so, so true, isn't it, about, um, you know, if you think about the students that we know in mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, the key, one of the key factors in a, in a student's success is who they decide to hang absolutely, out with. Absolutely. Who the influences are. It doesn't matter what I say at the front of the classroom, but yeah. if they're working with the right person, yeah. you know, that's that's going to help. Yeah, in Arabic we have a saying, it's like, tell me who you befriend and I'll tell you who you are. And so they hang out with the right kids, they, they succeed, they hang out with the wrong bunch, and then they fail. But I think what we really need to do is to let the kids fail. I mean, I know there's a, a brilliant student that we once had, brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and everything was so easy for this child. Um, never failed, never knew what failure meant. Uh, always top of the class, worked fairly hard, but still was easy. Mm. Um, went to university and then it was the biggest shock of their lives. You mm-hmm. know, they're kind of like, well, I think this if, is um, now failure and it's hit, it hits them a bit too, too late and that's way too hard. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, in my life, I, I don't recall any real failure as such in mm-hmm. the early part of my life. Mm-hmm. I just seemed to breeze through it oblivious. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I was just so, um, you know, emotionally immature or whatever, but I didn't really, I didn't think about life as failure. I thought of it as opportunity. Yeah. And if I, if something didn't happen, that just meant there were other opportunities for me. So I was always positive about everything that happened, good we'll or bad. Okay, yeah. And it's only in more... Recent, recent years that <laughs> failure um, has sort of crept up on me because I'd never viewed myself as a failure and then, then the sort of facts are there. And like, you have to say, no, actually, I did screw up there or I did fail. Mm. And that's hard if you've not prepared yourself, like you say, yeah. in your life. Yeah. I remember my parents preparing me for failure apart from with a clip round the ear mm-hmm. when they saw my school report. <laughs> that was uh, preparation. Uh, but no, I, I had no emotional tools to to sort it out. I think that was my problem as well, is that when I was younger, my mother helped me with everything. Um, and I really breezed through school. And then my parents got divorced and I was left kind of, yeah, mm. to fend for myself. I still, I was really, really lucky to do well, but my grades dropped. Everything dropped because I was like, I really had no tools to take care of myself, to um, to do well in school because I was like, I never learned how to do it. I don't want to learn it now. And I can manage, I can always scrape my way out of things. I never failed anything. I was fine. And, and that's also not very good. It didn't give me that kind of, the tools you know the tools to succeed i actually learned how to be an uh, an industrious person only when i started working yeah then yeah. i was like you know this is not going to work anymore i have to start working really hard because there are students who are relying on me and if i don't finish things on time or in a timely fashion at least they will be very disappointed and let down and they will come to me and say you have failed us that, that again goes with this common theme about not being seen by other people as a failure so you what what raised your levels of motivation or commitment to what you were doing was, to be honest, was what other people 
the impact on other people as See, opposed to your own self of your self-worth or self-pride i think for me it was kind of like this responsibility i think yeah. that was what, yeah. what uh, the, how i measured myself as a success or a failure did i fulfill my responsibilities and did i do what i was paid to do you know this is something also we have in, in the middle east or in islam it's like if you you have to basically what's the I, i don't know how to explain it but i have to earn your money and if you are not working hard if you are pretending to be working and earning that money you are guaranteed to spend it on your health so this mm -hmm. is kind of like mm -hmm. if you don't earn that money if it's money that you take by not working hard enough then you are going to either lose it somebody's going to steal it or you're going to spend it on your health yeah and that yeah. that's really scary to me so so yeah. it made i made sure that i did not fail those who depended on me Yeah. I think. Do you, I was going to say, have you got any? Have you got a good, uh, good poem or uh, something? Um, I found something, something literary for us to look at. Really, really interesting because, like, one of my favorite poets is Khalil Gibran. Yeah. And he, I found something written by him called Defeat. And it's really interesting how he sees it. It's kind of like, it's almost like he rejects success. But he, anyway, he had a very interesting okay. life, Gibran. He died at 48, I think. He died really young, um, never married. Um, he was a painter. Apparently, he painted some really, really famous people. Um, Jung was one of them. Okay. Carl Jung. And so his, his view on failure is, is really interesting. So here it goes. It's called Defeat by Khalil Gibran. Defeat, my defeat, my solitude and my aloofness. You are dearer to me than a thousand triumphs and sweeter to my heart than all world glory. Defeat, my defeat, my self-knowledge and my defiance. Through you, I know that I am yet young and swift of foot and not to be trapped by withering laurels. And in you, I have found aloneness and the joy of being shunned and scorned. Defeat, my defeat, my shining sword and shield. In your eyes, I have read that to be enthroned is to be enslaved and to be understood is to be leveled down and to be grasped is but to reach one's fullness and like a ripe fruit to fall and be consumed. Defeat, my defeat, my bold companion, you shall hear my songs and my cries and my silences and none but you shall speak to me of the beating of wings and urging of seas and of mountains that burn in the night and you alone shall climb my steep and rocky soul. Defeat, my defeat, my deathless courage. You and I shall laugh together with the storm and together we shall dig graves for all that die in us and we shall stand in the sun with a will and we shall be dangerous. That's a really nice poem. And quite, I'm very surprised. It's not why I expected him to to write based on the other things you've you've shared with me by Khalil. I love that stanza that says, through you I know that I am yet young and swift of foot and not to be trapped by withering laurels. And in you I found aloneness and the joy of being shunned and scorned. 
I've never heard somebody describe being shunned and scorned as joyful. I know. I was really surprised to what find th- this. What's, what's he talking about? I feel that... Well, I don't know. If, I, if you look at this line when he says that to be enthroned is to be enslaved, I think sometimes people worry that if they succeed, then they kind of like there is so much asked of them or they are put in a certain box and then they can no longer find their way out of it or fail or make mistakes. Mm. When you're at the top, they say it's very lonely at the top. And also when he's saying my, that I'm swift of foot, um, it's just, I don't know. It's really, really interesting how he sees it as a kind of, what does he say? Um, my bold companion. It's like, because of course we have to be really, really brave to fail, don't we? You shall hear my songs and my cries and my silences and none but you shall speak to me of the beating of wings and the urge, the urging, urging of the seas and its lips. I, I don't know. I find it stunningly beautiful in the imagery that he uses but it's really interesting how it's not about you would have expected the poem to be the other way around talking about rather than defeat and failure rather success glorifying himself but um i think what i I love about it it, to put it in the context of something more um uh, more rock and roll Mm -hmm. this is a bit like the um the the band you know, when there's a band, they all, a successful new band always have the difficult third album. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That you, you rise up quickly and you produce your first album and people start to love you. The second yeah. one, you know, that, that's it. You yeah. are flavour of the month. And then you're enthroned. You're, you're, to be enthroned is to be enslaved. Yes. That's it. You have no room to make more mistakes, to be ultra creative to do things different because people now have an image of you based on the success that you've just had rather than all the various other things that you could do going forward. And you know who this reminds me of? It reminds me of um, Avicii. I don't know if Mm. you know Avicii. I do. I love Avicii. He was a really, really great musician and uh, I love some of his songs you might know like... um, but quite a What's sad. your favorite? Do you know his? Do you know any? Which one of his songs do you remember now? Um, I wish I could give you the title, but there was a, um, a northern group from Manchester called Cherry Ghost, mm-hmm. and the lead singer of that did did the vocals on it, and a name I can't remember. Um, is it uh, Waiting for Love? Yes. Is it? Yes. That's my favorite song by Heavy. Well, there you go. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and who, whoever has not watched that video that goes with the song, you should really go and watch that video. It's really, really sad and really nice. And, and just really... a plug for anybody who hasn't listened to Cherry Ghost, awesome band. But yeah, anyway, I've never yeah. heard of them. There you go. But Avicii, I remember very distinctly when I discovered that he actually killed himself. Um, I was um, in yeah. Stuttgart for a conference. Why, why did he? What was the story? I, I knew that he killed himself, but I think the problem was that apparently he rose to fame, or he found his first success when he was sixteen. 16 he started becoming really famous and posting things online and he got like a a record deal and then he became really really rich and really successful really really um quickly and then he i i read an article that that said he once said that i realized i didn't need any of that money i did not need money and now i have all of this money so he started donating it which is really cool but at the same time he developed um depression and addiction Mm. problems and I really think the problem with rising to fame and success without any failures is that it leaves you really 
first of all, really dizzy. You know, you don't know who you are and what you're doing in, in this world. And it kind of disconnects you from reality and how other teenagers your age might be living. Um, at the same time, it's kind of like it's, there's no sweetness in getting something without much failure or hard work or something when it comes to you mm -hmm. so easily. I'm not saying that he didn't work hard on, it, on his songs. I'm sure he did because they're brilliant. They're really brilliant. But to find success at such a young age might yeah, leave yeah. you feeling really disconnected and alone. I often wonder, like, um, it's the same with footballers who at the age of 16 or 17 are multimillionaires yeah. and they have everything they need and yet they've never... So, so what happens to them when they get rejected or injured yeah. at age 23 and that's the end of their exactly. career? How do they cope with that, uh, that sort of failure? Um, a little bit like Avicii, there's a, a Netflix documentary that... Um, sadly been watching about Robbie Williams. I love Robbie Williams. But this is also quite a similar sort of thing that, um, you know, a massive stardom at the at age of 16. He was really? 16 when he was that. in Take That. Ah. As a, a, you know, and then um, he leaves the band and he has to, for the first time, try and cope with being on his own. Yeah. So he slips into boozing and drugs and yeah. such like. Yeah. Very similar story to Avicii, I think, that that's the only way to cope with mm. with failure mm. or at least a sense of failure um, because he'd never had to, to deal to with deal that. To deal with it before. He went from nowhere to ultra stardom virtually overnight. Goodness, I'm so glad that he didn't face the same fate as uh, as no, Avicii. But, but based on the story, I mean, I don't think he was that far away. Really? Um, and I think addiction in um, in a lot of sort of celebrities, etc. Maybe even that's sort of a way of quelling the fear of failure. You know, you get you're so used to the buzz and the high of your success that in the downtime that you have a lot of time to think about yeah. the, the, the counter. And you become really anxious and you become really afraid of losing it. it. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, and do these people want to befriend me because of my money? Yeah. And do yeah, they absolutely. like me only because I'm talented yeah, and not yeah. because of who I am? Yeah. And so, and that's a form of failure, isn't it? If you don't know how to, to handle your, it's like a lottery winner yeah. who loses yeah. the money within three years. You know, it's the same thing. It's like you're failing to celebrate your success or to understand the nature of your success. Yeah. And that's something we find in... Anyway, it's yeah. really, really sad. And I'm so glad that Robbie Williams actually found a, you know, a family and now he has a child or children and yes. he, he yeah, seems in a better place. He seems... Uh, yeah. But very, very... Um, um, very introspective in terms of, you know, looking at him. This, uh, this program has him looking at old video clips of himself. Yeah. It must be extremely painful. Yeah. Um, so him sort of ruminating on his past and how he sees himself mm. now through his glasses of a 50-year-old. Well. That's, uh, yeah, quite quite an interesting sort of But really useful. Setup. I think we should all do yeah. that and be reflective and go and look at our past successes and, yes. and failures. business teacher yeah i try to be <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some businesses that you can think of that maybe 
How about, let's start the other way around. Let's start off businesses that were successful and then failed. Okay. Well, I could, I just, this is quite an interesting topic because uh, we talk a lot about business failure. Mm. Um, because for every major success, for every Apple, there's going to be a thousand companies that were competing with Apple that fell yep. uh, sure. and, and failed. Yeah. And interestingly, based on our discussion, you know, we don't have the same sort of emotional response to that. So Apple was the winner and everybody else failed. Okay, yeah. so um, it doesn't matter the fact that people yeah, that's lost, business. A, it happens. They it's lost not... a lot of money, yeah. people lost their jobs, their livelihoods, their creativity, their idea. But we don't have the same emotional response to, oh, but, I've, but have you I've, killed himself? I, I failed in my marriage. Uh, so uh, some good examples. Um, the, the textbook example is Kodak, of course. Okay. So leader in the photographic industry for 100 years. Mm-hmm. Market share of over 90% in terms of camera film. Amazing. But their failure to adapt to the shift towards digital photography, almost um, uh, refusing to acknowledge that this was a thing. And they just stuck with the old. So led to their decline and they went bankrupt in 2012. That's really sad, isn't um, it? I mean, for such a massive brand name, but their failure of failure, failure to manage the, the, the world of change, yeah. classic example. You've of, got of, to adapt. A failure. Um, and maybe there's a lesson to be learned there for humans, right? Yeah. Your failure to, to adapt to the world around you is bound to cause you a, fa- a, a failure at, at exactly. some stage. Yeah. Uh, who else? Yahoo? Yeah. Yeah, who were uh, yeah, it was massive at, in the uh, in the late nineties. They were everything, they were everywhere. Everything. They were supposed to buy Google for one million dollars in nineteen ninety eight. Okay, but they refused to buy them for a million. That's what it, Google would would be willing to sell to you for a million dollars. Four years later. They went back and said, actually, we made a mistake in 1988. We'll, we'll buy you for three billion. From one million to three billion. Yeah, three billion, four years later. But even then, Google said, no, Good. five billion. <laughs> Yahoo refused for the second time. Yeah, they went cheaper. Yeah, but five, uh, five billion is only a half a percent of what it's currently valued today. So if they'd have spent five billion in, um, yeah, whenever that was, 2002. They would have been in the money. Uh, they were supposed to buy Facebook yeah. for 1.1 billion. Yeah, Facebook was struggling, only had 20 million in revenue at the time. So the Yahoo CEO decided 1.1 billion is too, too much. I'm just going to offer 800 million. Facebook backed out of the deal. And then uh, on the other side of the coin, 2008, Microsoft made a bid for Yahoo for $44.6 billion and Yahoo turned them down. Oh, God. Then, by 2016, Yahoo had been bought for just $4.6 billion. No. So if you look at the decision-making, the mm. failures in senior executive decision-making, um, then Yahoo is your textbook example. That's a shame. It's just a series. I'm sure they made some good decisions along the way, but these seem really gigantic. But you know what? I think there's a human equivalent of that. Yeah? Do you not think that some people have an idea that they are far better than they really are? Yeah. Or they they believe that they 
achieve far more than they really have or yeah. that they are more worthy than mm. they really are mm. and I think you who were the business equivalent of that yeah an inflated sense of self and I think human beings with that inflated sense are blind to their poor judgment and poor decision making and they end up with failures that they then refuse to acknowledge that are failures yep because I mean every step along the way you who should have so they should have learned from their learned past from mistakes. the mistakes, you know, yeah. but they, uh, but they didn't. So yeah, it's interesting. Both both Kodak and Yahoo, you could translate those into human stories too. Um, yeah, I found something that is actually the opposite of what you're saying. So you're talking about people who were at the pinnacle and then mm. fell. Um, I found people who were, f- quote unquote, failures, and then found a way out of it and actually were better off. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know, have you heard of Ariana Huffington? Yes, as in the Huffington Post. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I didn't know that, but apparently she ran for some kind of office mayor or something like that for some city, and then they, she got only 1% of the quote of the votes. <laughs> oh she failed miserably. Yeah. Yeah. And then she decided that she wanted to start the Huffington Post, and she... Yeah. She did really, really well with that. And I would say maybe she was better off with the Huffington Post than being a politician. Mm. Um, so there were a few people that were mentioned um, that I found, like Ariana Huffington, Thomas Edison. Of course, everybody knows about yeah. Thomas Edison yeah. and how he was a failure. And, and his mother was the one who actually did her best to get him through. And then in the end, he has, I don't know how many patents, hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates had a... I'd never heard of this thing about, what's it called? Something about the, the roads where he was measuring traffic and selling it to the government, the information. Yeah, traffic data. Traffic data, and that failed yeah. miserably. Of course, the yeah. classic. And Steve Jobs yeah. at Google was yeah. fired by Google. Yes, by Google or by, by Apple? Uh, sorry, by, uh, Steve yeah. Jobs fired by Apple, Yeah, uh, the company that he built. That he built, and exactly. And then, then he went back. Yeah. So these are figures that we would never consider to be failures. Yeah, yeah because they knew how to get back up you know that's that's the interesting thing but my favorite and this is from i found um this article it's called um, success after failure or something by sean peak yeah and the one bit that i loved it's about walt disney okay yeah. so it says If you focus on Walt Disney's failures, it's amazing that the Walt Disney Company ever reached the level of success it enjoys today. Disney was, at one point, living on dog food and unable to pay his rent. Then, during a contract dispute with Universal Pictures, he lost creative control of his first character, Oswald the Rabbit. Next, MGM rejected his Mickey Mouse character. (laughs) But they're kicking themselves, yeah. (laughs) Because the studio believed women are afraid of mice. Before the screening of Pinocchio, this is the funny bit. Before the screening of Pinocchio, Disney hired several little people (laughs) to stand on top of the marquee dressed as puppets to wave wave at the families coming into the theater. He provided them with wine and food for the day. Mm -hmm. By the time the screening began, the little people were drunk, naked, and swearing at the crowd. Disney overcame these failures and turned Disney into a global empire. So, so it's just. I'm just sorry. I've just got uh, an image in my mind of these sort <laughs> of people, people sitting on the top of the tent, naked and drunk, <laughs> claiming to be from Walt Disney. Uh, there's lots of other examples. J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, amazing. Um, 
I had really hit hard times and applied, turned down by all 12 publishers. Yeah, to, yeah. That she submitted the first scripts to. Um, Do you know what I really like about J.K. Rowling? Also, when I was um, doing the, the, like a bit of reading about her... Um, Somebody asked her, why, do you, why don't you go live somewhere where they won't tax you so much? She said, no, I'm happy to pay tax into the system that took care of me when I was on mm-hmm. benefits. Yeah. I find that fantastic. That's, I, I like that because you would like to think that if you've been successful, successful and you've failed, if you've seen both sides of the coin and yes. you've known what it's like to have to live, you know... Um, with very little money, very few resources, very little support, you then find success. Maybe you're more reflective about what you should be doing with your money. Um, I'd like to think that that's true. Yeah, no, I totally. I think it, um, it it really makes you very empathetic towards other, other people who struggle. Yeah. So if you look at other really rich people who were born rich, you know, and then they continue to be rich, they really don't understand what it is to struggle. And they don't oh, know how correct, to empathize. they've never had that financial failure exactly um failures for them are you know my daddy wasn't here to to put not winning at the golf club or whatever (laughs) it is yeah it's interesting isn't it it's almost like you are really um socialized you are really uh, your character is really formed by your experiences of failure but the type of failure is so important isn't it because if if as you say you've lived in a very privileged uh, world and your your failures are all of a you know really not that significant first world problems you know, I, I failed to find a dress for the ball <laughs> um, as opposed to you know my business failed and I was living in a garage yeah or you know really life changing yeah. failure yeah. must have a massive impact on you can I tell you another story um, actually Sylvester Stallone Um, he was struggling so much as an actor and he had to sell his dog yeah and that's the ultimate that's really sad (laughs) he had to sell his dog I think he had nothing like no one but the dog and then the next day or something he sold um, the manuscript to Rocky and then he went and bought the dog again for 2,000 or 3,000 dollars that's cute do you know what my my parents dog was called what Rocky Rocky. there you go there we go kitching uh michael jordan mm-hmm. basketball legend i've missed more than nine thousand shots in my career i've lost almost 300 games 26 times i've been trusted to take the game winning shot and missed i've failed over and over and over again in my life and that is why i succeed yep yeah exactly i think it's we have to acknowledge that we have to get up again um after we fail otherwise i think Sometimes you're so close to winning, but you give up and you end up not knowing what it feels like to win. Do you think that there's a role to play in that that mentality when it comes to uh, education and, and the way we bring children, children up, up, back to the parenting thing? You know, because I think, um, certainly in terms of my educational philosophy, um, and you probably uh, heard of it as well, because I think it's a school thing anyway, this idea about growth growth mindsets. Yeah. Um, so growth mindsets out of Stanford University, Caroline Dweck, mm-hmm. um, coined the phrase growth mindsets. But basically, um, 
in, in linking it to to the, what we've been talking about about failure, it's absolutely critical in in the um, ability for yeah. children to learn that they understand um, the importance of making mistakes and failing. And um, you know the the brain research carried out by so there's a working with Caroline Drake of interest to me is uh, somebody called Joe Bowler. Joe Bowler was the um, the person working on maths mm-hmm. and growth mindsets. Mm-hmm. And they did some um, experiments on brain response, etc., and found that the brain was, I can, I'm not very good at explaining it, but when a student made a mistake, the brain was processing something like um, 50 times more actively hmm. than when they got something right. Okay. And that makes so much uh, sense to me when I view my, my students. Of course, you have to have... The, the right combination of things here but um so a student who is really actively engaged in the learning process and is viewing the learning process positively and who makes a mistake while doing that learns so much more from that experience of making the mistake and you know on uh, unwrapping it on um untying it and whatever to understand it than those students who just cruise by and get everything right and not really developing their skills you know what this reminds me of i had a student just recently um submit something that was perfect and oh actually i gave it to you to run it through your um detector the the Mm. ai detector yeah and i yeah sure enough it was not written by the student so i had to go back to the student and instead of i didn't want to make it a problem or yell at him but i was like if you give me something that is perfect and I find no mistakes there, I don't give you any feedback, how are you going to learn? Because yeah. in the exam, there is no access to chat GPT or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So if you don't make mistakes, you are not going to grow because I'm not going to be able to give yeah. you feedback. And then how did this help anyone? But going back to your education thing, um, I think that we have to be really careful with the type of student we're talking about because there are some students like me, who need praise to be able to continue going because I can be very easily demotivated. I know myself. I'm not the kind of person who is like, you shoot me like Sia said, you shoot me down and I'll rise up. I'm not that kind of person. I'm the kind of person who's like, if enough people will tell me that I'm bad at something, I will stop, you know? And so... I don't think think the two have to be mutually exclusive. It has to be a bit of both, exactly. And I think the, the... the very fact that we polarise success and failure as opposed to just seeing them as together as learning. Yeah. Learning is both, isn't it? Yes. You can write, a, you can write an essay in your subject which yeah. has got some really successful bits and some less successful bits in, in the same way as in maths you can tackle one part of the problem really well and another yeah. not so well. That's just learning, isn't it? Yeah, but I but think this, you have to this bring... Kind of, in the growth mindset thing... There is, again, another continuum. Not success and failure, but growth mindset and fixed mindset. Uh-huh, yeah. So those with a fixed mindset believe that the skills and abilities that they've got are fixed. They're innate. Yes. You're, you're born smart, you're born talented. Um, individuals who've got this fixed mindset then view failure as inevitable, mm-hmm. as permanent. Um, so... They are going to pursue easier tasks, 
or not do the task at all, like you said. Yeah. Because that's a better option than the failure that they believe is inevitable. Yeah. Whereas those who've got a growth mindset, it's all about developing skills through practice and effort. Everybody is capable. Everybody can do it. Failure is a chance to learn. Challenges are embraced as a way of being creative and problem solving. And wouldn't it be great if all of our students, all of our students have that kind of growth mindset yeah and this is what we try to instill in them and i think this is something that also science like backed actually came up with like only very recently i don't know 10 years ago or something this neuroplasticity of the mind and how it's really not fixed and we keep you know it's like a muscle you just keep exercising it and it keeps growing or you just let it go and it fails you because you never really stretched it um but it's interesting when you talk about failure sometimes i notice in our asian students more than the Western students, hmm. this um, this image, the self-image, you know, they don't want to lose face. And this is the, 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 the phrase yeah. is that. And that's why I once had a Japanese student tell me, she said, it took me a long time to actually be able to say my opinion in class, especially if it was to oppose me as the teacher. You know, because I always encourage them. It's like, this is my opinion, but please, like, if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm wrong or if you want to add something, let me know. I would like to, you know, we learn from each other. And then she said it took her a long time to be able to even say something. She was just was an observer for a long time because she said, yeah, you don't, you don't make mistakes and you don't... Um, you don't oppose the teacher, but that's something else. But it's, and I found that very, very interesting. It's like, and that's, that might be one of the reasons why suicide rate might be really high in Japan, you know, or Korea, where it's like, yeah, you've made yeah, a yeah. mistake, especially if it's a big one, you lost your business, you failed your family, you just, you, you kill yourself. Yeah. It's easier than facing the exactly, consequences. Exactly. Or the um, looks and the pity, the pity in people's eyes. And that's really really sad i i think we i wish they would also learn a little bit more about you know just make mistakes and fail yeah no you're right and especially if the uh, parental you know you think about some of those students um where the parental pressure to succeed is so high that there can't be any joy you know i think the good thing about growth mindsets is trying to promote a real positivity and enthusiasm towards learning bring the joy back into yeah. learning and but they can be you, brilliant i mean these students are brilliant especially yeah. about maths and things yeah. like that they are they're hard working they'll they'll but i'm not sure that the joy is always there yeah and maybe their motivation to succeed yeah is their fear of failure yeah um because of parental pressure cultural tradition cultural, cultural tradition um, exactly a really nice poem that I, I saw a glimpse of. Do you want to read it to us? Um, yeah, I found this. I was I always do a little trawl to see what I can find on the, um, the subject matter. Mm. <clears throat> and I found failure was not an easy one. Yeah. There weren't that many poets writing about, uh, about failure. I agree. Um, um, even the Bible came up fairly short or Shakespeare there wasn't a great deal I know I tried to find something from the Quran actually I, I couldn't really find anything substantial I mean there were things here and there but nothing really strong yeah. interesting can I give you the Bible one first go on I've got three Bible quotes mm-hmm. <laughs> the best one I'll leave till last okay <laughs> um, I, the Bible quotes sound a bit like my mother 
and her attitude towards failure. <laughs> Proverbs twenty four sixteen: Although the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. The wicked. The wicked stumble. So if you, you get it, my mom's philosophy, you get yourself back up, brush your knees down and carry on. Yeah. That's what it says in Proverbs 24, 16, basically. My- Jeremiah says this to the people of Judah. This is what the Lord says. You know, if a man falls down, he gets up again. This is like that song by Chumbawamba. Well, I get up and get up again. Okay, never mind. Go on, go on. Strange now, it's it's a drinking song, but it's not really. (laughs) You know, if a man falls down, he gets up again. And if a man goes the wrong way, he turns around and comes back. So the Bible is really, it's all about being resilient, isn't Mm. it? Mm. It's not about facing your, um, well, it is about facing your your failure, but in in a a determined way. Yeah. Um, I like it. Yeah, I'm not sure that... Do you think think it doesn't leave room for vulnerability? Is that what you're saying? I think, you know, we talked a little bit about how the experience of failure can lead to personal growth Mm -hmm. by better understanding your emotional response to it, by understanding the reasons for the failure. You maybe go through this transcendental hmm. light bulb moment and yeah. that really develops you as a person. Yeah. I don't think the Bible's giving any room for that. I'll tell you what the problem is. Yes, it's that it's not saying that you should reflect. Just Reflection like, is really, really important when yeah. you fail because you have to sit down and say, so where did I go wrong? Where did this, yeah. did this other person go wrong? Doesn't what matter. tools do I need to have? <laughs> Does it matter? I mean, usually it matters because there yeah. will be no progress if we don't think that it matters. Some failures don't matter, but... Most of them do, especially if they involve yeah. other human beings. But so no, not enough to completely destroy yourself. Your, your, the rest of your life. Well, it depends yeah. on how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, here's the best one: mm. Proverbs twenty six eleven. Mm-hmm. I think I might have this as a tattoo. Okay. Like a dog that returns to its vomit. Oh. A fool does the same foolish things again and again. Lovely. So this is, but I, like, I quite like what that sort of means this Mm. is back to this point about um failure is potentially a positive thing because if we do fail i I guess the story says if you fail and you keep doing what you're doing Mm. you're just going to fail again Mm. you're going to return to your vomit lovely Um, but if you do reflect on your your failure and you do try and change the way things um happen in your life then you won't necessarily have to repeat yeah or return to your <laughs> to your vomit but that's yeah. what einstein once said I, I can't i don't remember it word for word but he said that if you're looking at the same problem yeah. with the same yeah, yeah. way yeah. how are you going to come to a different outcome yeah and that that's yeah that's definitely true isn't it the secret of life is to fall seven times and to get up eight times yes paulo coelho i like paulo coelho Actually, I like one of his books. I don't know all of his books, but I really do like The yeah. Alchemist. This picking yourself back up, it seems to be, a, a, yeah, Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. I love that lady. Failure is a part of the process. You just learn to pick yourself back up. Absolutely. Confucius. Our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising every time we fail. Yeah. 
I think it depends also on the definition of rising every time you fail. Is it rising by getting up and trying again? Or is it rising by not wallow, wallowing and, and, you know, criticizing yourself and others and, you know, just blaming everyone? Um, yeah. So it, it, I think rising is a very good word. I really like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. John C. Maxwell. Hmm. Yes, there's some nice quotes, but they're all very much about resilience, aren't they? Yes. Um, And that's something we need to build in our kids for sure. This mm. is what we try to build within people. I think build resilience in them, make sure that they don't identify with the mistake or with the failure and know that they are not that mistake. You know, they've made a mistake. They're not a mistake. I think that's the most important thing. And also the way we deal with them is like, yeah, you've made a mistake. We move on. I'm not going to keep reminding you of it all the time. So I think that's resilience is definitely something that we need to build in them and say, okay, you've scraped your knee, put a plaster on it, get up. I'm interested though. So do you see mistake and failure as um, synonymous? Synonymous. No, I mean, sometimes they can be you fail to do the right thing when you make a mistake, right? But failure in our understanding of it today has a a bigger meaning. It's like failure is a big thing. But a mistake is actually a small failure. See, I can handle the idea of making mistakes Hmm. because, um, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Hmm. We're only human. Hmm. Um, You can't do everything right all all the time. time. Um, Failure just sounds worse failures seems to me more permanent yes exactly it's an end thing it's like yeah a mistake is you can yeah it's like a, you have a pencil Work in progress yeah rub and it out, you can just erase it, it and and write again but if you're a failure it seems permanent it seems like that's the end of yeah. it you're doing a painting you make yeah. a few mistakes along the way and yeah. at the end it's a failure yeah the failure sounds worse than the mistakes yeah but i guess they're they're intertwined aren't they so yeah. read that poem to us, please. Oh, sorry, yes. Uh, let me tell you about the poet a bit. I don't know very much about him. But this guy, I said that I looked and I couldn't find very much. Mm. Apart from, there were quite a lot of poet, poems all about failure by this American poet, 19th century poet called Amos Russell Wells. Oh, so he's a specialist. Ah, oh, he was like another, like a poet that I mentioned uh, on a previous uh, episode who, he didn't just write poems. It seemed like he was a preacher, oh. <clears throat> sold, <laughs> sold pharmaceuticals, did all sorts of things. <laughs> but one of the things was he also wrote loads of stuff. Okay. So um, his poem is, is called Failure. Hmm. Failure is a rocky hill. Climb it, climb it with a will. Failure is a broken bone. Set it, grin, and do not groan. Failure is a tangled string. Puzzle out the knotted thing. Failure is a river swift. Swim it, swim, and do not drift. Failure is a black morass. Cross it, there are tufts of grass. Failure is a treacherous pit. Scramble, clamber out of it. Failure is an inky night. Sing, expect the morning light. Failure is an ugly coal. Fuse it to a diamond soul. Really cool. I like the contrast between this. It's a bit cheesy. It is cheesy, yeah. But um, But it's satisfying, I think, is what it is. It's It's very tidy. It's tidy. I also quite like that 
the failure was um, likened to a number of different mm. uh, conundrums or problems. Mm. And I think that is a true reflection of failure is so multifaceted. Absolutely. Failure can have so... I mean, there's so many different causes of failure, yeah. feelings of failure, uh, manifestations of failure. Um, it can be a rocky hill, a broken bone or a tangled string. I mean... Do you know what I think the most important thing with failure is? Is to be able to be vulnerable and admit that you've made a failure and just move on. You know, most of the time people don't really care that much. They'll, they'll maybe talk about it for a bit and then move mm -hmm. on. But I think people will not learn if they don't see people they respect failing. Yeah. You know, like our children and our students, if they don't see us failing and owning up to it, like I've heard my students complain about teachers who, when they make mistakes, they just like, no, 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 I was right, I was right, I was right, and they try to prove it, you know? No, just say, I am human, and yeah, I have made yeah. a mistake, and <clears throat> yes, I, it I, was a minor failure, and then we can all move I from here. I like my students to... Point out. To see that I've made a mistake. Because or, that means they're alert, yeah. And it shows that I'm human. Yes. You know? So I think it's very important yeah. that we are open about our failures and not just... I remember my aunt used to have this kind of thing, very similar to the English stiff upper lip, where it's like, um, if if a snake tries to bite you or something, you bite it off and you keep the poison in your mouth, you don't show it to anyone, and mm -hmm. then when nobody's looking, you spit, spit it, it out. out. And mm -hmm. I'm like... Wow. That sounds really, really tough. It's like, why not say um, I was almost bitten by a snake and yeah. I, you know, I I, something happened and I... Exactly, right exactly, exactly. Moral yeah. support right now. Something happened. But yeah, no. So what has the experience of... I mean, I can't imagine you've had many failures in your life, but let's assume that you've had a few. How has... Um, the, the experience of failure, do you think, shaped you as a person or shaped your outlook on life? Um, I think my earliest failure was that my dad, who was very, very, very academic, he had a PhD in engineering and he expected so much of me. Um, I did everything to evade his authority and, and make sure that I did not do what he wanted me to do because he was forcing me to do it. And I'm like, if I had use that intelligence to do what he wanted me to do, <laughs> I would be in a different place right now. You know, I, I'm i very happy about where I am. I am happy being here and I'm happy. I mean, everything that happened in my life has led me to be here with you, having this podcast, mm -hmm. teaching these lovely people, interacting with our lovely colleagues. I'm very happy with where I am. But maybe if I had let myself just not rebel and work a little bit harder. I mean, mind you, I was a teenager, so... But do you see that as a, as failure? I think I failed my dad for sure. I think he... Gosh. Yeah, definitely failed him. Um, but I also kind of failed myself because I didn't, as we always say to the students, didn't fulfill my potential. You know, like I had potential, but um, I really scraped by at school. I was... I really made it just because I paid attention in class, but I did nothing at home. And mm -hmm. that, was, that was really not good. That was definitely a failure. But I was a teenager. I can't really blame myself for that. And as I said, I developed a very different work ethic later. Um, another failure that is not really a failure is also my divorce, you know, because, yeah, I chose a person that I knew deep down was not the right person for me. He was a good man and I'm a good person. But... Um, we were just not a good match and people tried to tell me and I just didn't listen because I was like, no, so I need to... that was a failure of 
judgment. judgment. Yeah, yeah. And also going through with something, staying too long, that was also a failure. I should not have stayed that long yeah. in that marriage. Um, otherwise, yeah, a bunch of mistakes here and there that, you know, we can all dust off and move on. Um, I wouldn't call them failures. I would just call them... I, I th- the most interesting bit out of that is mm. that you carry the weight of having f- or feeling that you failed your father. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely... I mean, that's how he made me feel for sure. He was always walking around going like... So it's like a, a double... It's, it's a like double, the, the prodigal son. It's a double whammy failure then. It was it? horrible. It was really, really interesting. But gosh, it shaped gosh, me, gosh. you know. I became very, very resilient. He also made me resilient consciously, not just by pointing me out as a failure, but also kind of like, yeah, it's like, you can do this, you know, just, yeah... I trust you, you can do things and the hard things. And I was the firstborn, so I was expected to do a lot and know a lot. And then I ended up being a really strong person. So, yeah, mm. it's okay. He's, Gosh. he's gone now, but I hope that... Actually, it doesn't matter what he thinks of me anymore. I know that I'm not a failure. No, and, and that experience has helped to shape you. Absolutely. So Gave yeah. me empathy, that's for sure. I know exactly... Yeah, yeah. I try my hardest to be very careful with my words and what I expect of people. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, I think my answer to the question is quite different now than if you'd asked me, say, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably is kind of in line with the Stoic tradition. Mm. I think if, you, if I mixed Stoicism with... Um, <laughs> A more, even more sort of pessimistic thing. One part of me wants to view life as just a series of failures. Oh, dear me. A series of failures um, and misjudgments that are strung together. Uh, and the in-between bits are just trying, trying my best, which is it's quite negative. Um, but if, if you look at it more positively... It is consistent with Stoicism in that Stoicism is all about, you know, how you face the consequences or face what's in front of you. And learn from what happened. And learn from what happened. And I think failure as well as success is is a key part of that. Um, And also Stoicism reflects the fact that what you have to um, react to isn't all of your making you're reacting to what other people are doing or saying. And I think often um, your perception of failure is, is not about you at all. Yes. It's about other people's reaction to you, and that's about them. So I think that's probably my perspective on it now is uh, I'm, not, I'm not surprised and worried by failure. Mm. It's just a fact of life, um, whereas maybe 10, 15 years ago, Failure. I, I I just was not prepared for failure. Yeah. Like I say, like I said earlier, it took one perfect sto- storm to realise. Oh, you are human after all. Yes. And failure does happen to you. Yeah. Um, and maybe you're not the uh, the guy that you, you you thought you were. Maybe you have to. No, maybe you're re- not a god. You know, you're expecting yourself to be a god of some sort, like that. You're trying, infallible, but you're nobody is. Superhuman and yes. super infallible. You, you be there for everybody and do everything that everybody expects. Yeah. You're bound to crash. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm glad that I crashed then rather than when I was, you know, sixteen or nineteen or the like the Avicii story. Yeah, that is so sad. Yeah, you had some wisdom under your belt that made you, yeah, able to 
go through it and, and survive it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay, then. I think... We, um, have we been successful or did we fail in our brief today? I think we have been fairly successful. There has been... I don't know. For me, there were many things that I wanted to share. I'm sure you too. But I think this is becoming way too long and uh, we don't no, want we, to bore anybody to death. So no, we don't want then to. we would have failed. Yes. So I think that's a good a good time to, to close. Have we got anything to read to finish off? Mm, no. I was thinking about the Nietzsche. Oh, yeah, a bit of Nietzsche to finish. Give us some words of wisdom to think about. I really like Nietzsche's. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. And if you must perish, then do so immediately and suddenly. For in that case, you will perhaps leave proud ruins behind you and not, as is now to be feared, merely molehills covered with grass and weeds. (laughs) Fail greatly. Fail greatly. Because you've tried greatly instead of just trying, you know, shyly. So I am going to leave proud ruins behind me, I promise. (laughs) Terrific. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. I I did too. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. And I hope that our listeners liked it too. And we will see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to the readings we chose for you today. And that our musings have ignited your thoughts. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and those you think would enjoy it. If you have any thoughts, suggestions or any kind of feedback, please send us an email using the email in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you with the words that make you.